Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about Land of Entertainment. You are listening to the show that talks all movies, TV, comics, and more. And we definitely want to keep the conversation rolling with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in after the show on all the social media accounts and keep that conversation going. We love interacting during the week. Also, check out the Tee Public Store. A lot of deals going on there right now. So I'm just saying, if you're looking for some Christmas ideas, look no further than the Tee Public Store for the mm-hmm. ODPH. And also check out the Patreon link too. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. Shout out to all our amazing patrons, and you can find out all about them in their own link. That's what we make sure to say thank you to them each and every time on the show. Also, Parley Points blog section, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 127,000. Sounds about right to me. The music section, where you hear all the great music bands that are on the ODPH and 607 Podcast Network. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can just find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the show. There was an event in Sao Paulo, Brazil mm-hmm. that generated a lot of buzz this weekend. Oh, yeah. And that was Comic-Con Experience 2022. Mm-hmm. But the biggest news event that came out of there, as far as the ODPH is concerned, is we were gifted the brand new trailer for one of Marvel Studios' most hyped-up projects for 2023. Mm-hmm. And that is what pad? Uh, that would be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes. The final film for James Gunn with Marvel Studios before he goes to DC Films. Mm-hmm. And obviously tying up the loose ends of the franchise that he made famous on the big screen. That obviously taking these obscure characters from Marvel Comics and running with them. Yeah. And now having them cross over into pop culture. At such a high level. Oh, God, yeah. I still stand here astonished that I live in a day and age where this franchise is so bankable mm-hmm. to the to the masses. I mean, mm-hmm. not just to the comic fans. I, comic fans will always show up for this oh, yeah. kind of you know fantasy. But in the pop culture audience, which is a whole different world, yeah. the fact that the Guardians are held in such high regard is amazing to see. We're also involved with an Ant-Man franchise, too, Yeah, which I never thought we'd see the day, but I'm so happy as a comic fan to see this come to fruition. And now we're kind of saying our farewells to this cast. To a degree. To a degree, because there's a lot of uncertainty with the Guardians franchise after this film. I'll say the only thing we know for sure is this is probably going to, and I say probably, you know, I'll explain in a minute probably going to be James Gunn's last film in the MCU. <clears throat> and the reason I say probably is while neither side, you know, he nor Kevin Feige closed the door, the man's essentially taking on the same job that Kevin Feige has at Marvel, but in James Gunn's instance, it's with DC. 
That's a time-consuming job. It's it's a mm-hmm. bu- it's a busy job, and uh, and they've said that he's going to be in charge of things. He's going to be directing some things, so it's not exactly going to leave him with a whole lot of time for other projects with Marvel. So while you never know, you know the the timeline or or the schedule, the calendar might fall in just such a way that you know he's got a little bit of time. He can do something up for Marvel. You know, maybe a little one shot. You know, a Marvel special, a special presentation on Disney Plus or something. But for the meantime, in between time, you know, this is going to be his last foray with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the thing he's made clear even before he got the job at DC is that, you know, for a lot of these characters in this film and in this franchise, this is going to be the last time we see them. Mm -hmm. That, you know, if they go ahead and do it in the future, there's going to be a change into the guard. Yeah, like much in Hollywood, there is always kind of that three movie limit, so to speak. Yeah. And then... Very rarely do you see characters extend on to four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Not everything is the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. But with this franchise, James Gunn's going to put a bookend on this. And obviously, I am very cool with this, as a lot of oh, other yeah. people are, because this has been his story since day one. This has been his project. This mm-hmm. has been what really brought him to such a high level that now he's going to be running DC films. Yeah. So he's going to definitely go out on a high note. And from what we saw from the trailer, there's a lot to enjoy from this. Mm -hmm. So that said, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. Drop a five-star review on your favorite podcast player. It does help the brand a lot. We like to give a spoiler-free statement before we start breaking down everything. So if you haven't seen this yet and you don't want to be spoiled, we give you time to pause out and not have anything ruined until you see it yourself. Yep. After we give you a countdown, though, we go into full spoiler mode. So if you are still with us after that countdown... You're welcome to join in on the conversation because we go deep diving on the spoiler talk. So that said, Pad, give me your spoiler-free statement about the trailer. Trailer looked fun. You know, I'm, I'm never quite sure what to expect with the Guardians of the Galaxy films because unlike some of the other films, you know, Captain America and the Iron Man and the Thors and what have you, where based off of the title, you can kind of gauge what the film's going to be about based off of, well, Captain America, Civil War, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you know, or you, it's kind of easy to tell with some of this stuff, you know, what the uh, story's going to be about. Mm-hmm. You know, so with, with the Guardians of the Galaxy films, yes, they borrow stuff from some of the runs throughout the years, <clears throat> you know, but you never know what to expect just because it's been Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, and here we are with Volume 3. You know, so it's hard to gauge what it's going to be about until we see that trailer. And, and that trailer is always important. It's the first taste. It's the first experience uh, you get with the film. You know, it can make or break a lot of people's decisions on to whether they're going to see it opening night or they're going to wait a week. For me, it was a really fun trailer. I liked it. Obviously, the music is top notch. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's, yeah. And, and listen, I'm already going to say bring the tissues for this movie because they are implicating that you're, they're going to pull out a lot of heartstrings with this movie. Because obviously, like we said, it's going to be goodbye for a lot of these characters, and that's not going to be without a few tears. Mm-hmm. This trailer was very good. It didn't give a lot away. No. Um, they did answer a couple questions that we were waiting to see because there are some new characters they are introducing. But like Pad touched upon, this is going to be a very emotional film for fans that have become very attached to these characters. To think about where this all started and to where we are now, this is going to be a very bittersweet moment because the film, we're expecting a lot of great things to come from. And obviously with James Gunn signing off on this, he's going to bring out all the stops for this. Mm -hmm. And there was a few things in this trailer that I really like seeing as a comic fan. And anytime that we can really kind of more or less follow the books, I really dig it. 
and there's a certain run that they are going all in about that I am super excited to see hit the big screen. But this was all a bucket of win. I am very, very amped up to see this in the theaters, and I cannot wait to see what kind of craziness is going to go on as we say goodbye to the Guardians one last time. That said, in three, two, one, Pad, talk to me. The trailer was a lot of fun. You know, did like you said, didn't give a whole lot away, just kind of wet the appetite and kind of really showed the hey, this is going to be an emotional roller coaster of a ride, you know, with a lot of implications. I mean, we're finally going to see the Guardians reunite with past Gamora, present Gamora, hot time travel. It's, it's weird. You know, they're finally going to reunite, finally going to get some answers on that after God knows how many years, you know, since she died and then came back, you know. So it's going to be cool to see that. And then we're finally going to get to get to see Adam Warlock, which has been highly anticipated for God knows how many years now, you know, but to finally get that and then to see where things end with this, you know, I don't doubt them doing something down the road with the franchise or even some of the characters showing up, but it's going to be interesting to see how they end this. Are they going to kill some of them off? Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, are some of them going to get the very rare uh, sunset, send off you know that is hard to uh, hard to find in kind of franchise movies like this maybe you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see it's going to be very interesting to see i low-key marked out when i saw the guardians in their uniforms from the dan abnett and andy lanning comic run Mm -hmm. i marked out because as somebody that read the guardians of the galaxy run from jim valentino in the 90s and to jumping back in when abnett and lanning took them when they kind of fell off after Valentino left for go to image. It just never was the same. They brought in such a great energy to these characters and really for the first time in a long time, it felt like they had a wide open playbook to just run with these characters. And how is this all going to work? And like their run is truly worth picking up. Highly recommend it to see now that it's always been kind of teased that James Gunn was influenced by this run. But now this is like completely all in screams abdomen and landing. Mm-hmm. I am super excited to see this come to screen. I think some of the additions that we're going to see, such as Chudwicky Iwuji, mm-hmm. who's going to be playing the high evolutionary. That villain has always been a weird one to see on screen. Sure. So I am very interested to see how he's going to come across, but with James Gunn giving his vision for it, it's going to be weird. Oh yeah. It's going to be more or less like a cosmic Mr. Sinister, Mm -hmm. if anybody's really not familiar with who the High Evolutionary is. A lot of ties to the MCU, but he's a very, very tricky character to see on screen. But also who's connected to him is Adam Warlock, who we've been all waiting to see, is a very well-known Marvel cosmic character, played by Will Poulter. Mm -hmm. So how this is all going to unfold and what's going to happen with Adam Warlock moving forward because he is very synonymous with the Infinity Stones. Right. Which, let's face it, it's the MCU. Yep. Those stones are absolutely a focal point no matter where you're watching who. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to kind of put it mildly. Yeah. Like, the Infinity Stones have ran the MCU for 20-some-odd films now. They're the be-all, end-all. Yeah. So, no matter who you're watching, no matter where you're watching, no, what hand in there. Anyway, like I say, I can butcher the words here because... This is just how important Adam Warlock is. Well, and especially, I mean, you look at the comics, you know, how many times have they been a focal point in the comics to where they're sometimes even destroyed, but they still come back. Yes. You know, like, it doesn't matter what force gets hold of them, what force gets rid of them. Mm-hmm. They all, you know, somehow they come back. Yeah, they do. They always come back. Much like Adam Warlock, too. So I'm not saying this is going to kick off another Infinity Saga. 
I really don't think that. I don't think so. But if if they want to down the road, they they'll have the opportunity or the avenue to. Exactly. This opens the door for it. Yeah. So like I say, I get really excited because I have been waiting to see this character come on screen. Sure. As somebody that has read Marvel comic stuff, this is a character. Like I say, I I can't believe we're seeing on screen, and yet the fan reaction has been very very positive. And even the pop culture audience is now starting to dig into what Adam Warlock is going to bring to the table. I do have a theory, though, as we start breaking down the trailer about where he's going to play into this. Because, obviously, we have a lot of the familiar faces from the original franchise coming back. Yep. Chris Pratt is reprising his role as Star-Lord. Yep. Zoe Solanda is reprising her role as Gamora. Vin Diesel is voicing Groot. Yep. Same thing with Bradley Cooper is voicing Rocket. Dave Bautista is back as Drax the Destroyer. Karen Gillan is back as Nebula. Palm Clemente mm-hmm. is back as Mantis, and it just kind of fits right. Like, nothing has fallen off, so to speak. No. Because as the trailer opens up, we do see Star-Lord is standing in a ship. Yep. It's the brand new one, the Bowie, I believe it's called. Something like that. And he's in the uniform from the Avenant Landing run. So mm-hmm. the minute I saw this, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then we see the ship is now flying into a planet of sorts, and we don't exactly know where. And it, it really, at this point, it doesn't matter. No, it's it's just it's a coastal city. There's a there, or something near a large body of water, you know, like in a Los Angeles or a New York type of thing. Mm-hmm. So as the ship lands, and obviously it looks like it's a very suburban area. Which side note? How the fuck is given the size of this goddamn thing? It lands in a suburban residential neighborhood, like think, you know, middle America or like, you know, the East Coast or parts of the West Coast, where like there's a house in a fairly, you know, consistent length of space between the two. Mm. How the fuck is this thing land and not land on any houses? Star-Lord is that good of a pilot. Apparently, because just given the size of this damn thing and how not big it is between the houses in terms of side yards. God damn, that's a, that's a hell of a feat to pull off landing on this damn thing. Yeah, but it's, it's something that obviously with their experience flying around and traveling to different worlds for various reasons, mm-hmm. this comes into play. We do see the group shot of the Guardians minus Zoe Zalanda's uh, Gamora, who's yep. not there with them at this time because obviously from the events of Avengers Endgame. She still hates Peter Quill and isn't exactly in lovey-dovey terms with him yet. Yeah, so Saldana is not there, but we do see everybody else coming off the plane in their uniforms. Except Groot, because, well, Groot. Yeah, Groot reasons. And you see that Peter Quill is ex- is talking to the audience that has gathered. We come in peace. Yes, which you know that when he tries doing the whole earthling greeting it's yeah. not going over because we do see a wide variety of characters there mm-hmm. it looks like a person looking like with a rabbit face a person with a panda face kind of like an animal you know i forget i forget what there's a term for the what that type of thing mm-hmm. um but you know a whole bunch of animal faces and they're all and they're, they're they're dressed like humans you got a guy in a suit guy in a sweater you know guy in like this kind of like polo t-shirt looking thing girl in like what looks like a pair of sweats yeah. You know, they're all approaching kind of nervously. There's this little girl in a school outfit, you know, uh, who has a basket, what looks like a basketball or a dodgeball or something, just kind of throws it at throws it at him and it bounces and she laughs. Drax picks it up and immediately throws it right back at the girl and hits her in the face. Perfect Drax right there That's because Drax he, he is just completely out of the element of social concept. Oh, yeah. He, well, it's not even out of the element. He has no social concept. No, he doesn't. So he just attacks her. 
mm-hmm. for no reason with the basketball. Yeah. And Star-Lord is like, what are you doing, man? Well, come on, seriously? Yeah, so this now causes the mob to start forming, and they start pelting the Guardians with garbage or whatever they can get their hands on. Uh, well, I think at first it's they throw another ball at him, and then somebody picks up a rock, and then, we'll, and then somebody hits Quill with a rock. Yeah. And obviously Drax gets hit too. So this is how it's kind of kicking off. So it does play into the James Gunn humor yep. that we've seen time in and time out from the Guardian. So mm-hmm. like this doesn't really spoil anything. You now get treated to the music of Space Hog in the meantime, yep. which is just a very haunting track, which I love how they go very obscure yep. for this in the 90s. Yeah. This plays well. I believe it's in the 90s. It has a kind of late 90s feel yeah, to it. Got to, yeah, it's got a vibe to it. Yeah, so we see Peter Quill's on Starship, and he is obviously lamenting about Gamora, and he's she's got, not got there. got his little earbuds in. Yeah, so Lord knows what he's listening to. Probably my, given, given how much he's moping, he's by himself, and the room is dark, probably My Chemical Romance. I was going to say Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, something. Yeah, so he's he's listening to some, some track there. We do see that Palm Clemente of uh, Mantis is talking to him and trying to explain, you know, don't give up hope. And try and be the good family member, as we now know, yeah. to Star-Lord. Yeah. Then we get a shot that has kind of caused a little bit of buzz on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, Pat, what is this scene re- that you're seeing right here? So it, it goes from uh, Mantis talking to Quell, and it cuts to a interior shot of, well, we can't tell what it is, but there's these furry little objects uh, close, to, close up to the camera. And on the opposite side, slightly out of focus, is this hand figure reaching into wherever this is and opening up its hand like it's going to grab something. Well, then the camera flips, and we've got an extreme close-up of a baby raccoon. Yes. And uh, who's that baby raccoon? That'd be the one only Rocket. Uh-huh. So we are going to start getting his origin, apparently, which yeah. I, I thought was... I thought was rumored after be sometime between the second and then, like, Endgame or something. I thought I remember hearing, and I could just be remembering things and or making things up in my head you know i thought we heard that rumor well there was always something that was kind of floating around about it because rocket obviously has grown in popularity that now people are really curious about his background same with groot yeah and it's always just been kind of you know left on his own so to speak yeah and obviously he's he's got kind of an interesting uh history in the comics so they are going to tie what I believe into the high evolutionary. So okay. this is kind of going to come back tenfold. That's my guess from what we see that we don't see the hand, but I'm guessing it's the high evolutionaries grabbing him because Probably. the high evolutionary does weird shit like this. Yeah. So enough said there. So as we see the trailers going on, it does flash forward to, to Rocket, and he's kind of re reminiscing, so to speak, about this. And then there's a shot of the Guardians – in very colorful suits. Mm-hmm. Now, Pat, what does this remind you of? Well, the suits are red, green, orange, yellow, and blue. And, well, if you've been on Twitch at any point in the last couple of years or you've played on Steam in the last couple of years, uh, there was a certain game that came out in 2019, 2018. I have to look it up. I forget when exactly. Uh, but, but a game by the name of Among Us. Uh, yes. You can get it on PC, Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox, your phone, pretty much everything. Uh, but you're you're kind of dressed as space people in spacesuits, and you got to go around various. There's various maps, but one of them is in a spaceship, and you got to fix what's broken on the ship, you know, and finish your tasks before you get killed. And if and if enough people get killed, you know, the killers win. But if you finish your task, then you, the good guys, win. But all of those colors that are in the game are the same ones and similar suits that the Guardians are wearing. So a lot of fans went, oh, he's referencing Among Us because it's a very popular game. 
James Gunn is saying no, but I'm sitting here going, looks like Among Us. Oh, I think it's Among Us. I think he didn't want to tip off anything. I seriously think with the stakes going on with this film, there is something going on that's going to be Among Us related. Could be. There, I, could, there could be a little homage. Yeah, I don't know what exactly, but I'm just going to kind of put it out there that I think it is because we see them going to now some alien planet, mm-hmm. and it's kind of very weird. We do see Gamora, a quick shot of her looking at a Polaroid mm-hmm. picture, and then there's a shot which... I am very, very curious your thoughts on this, Pad. It looks like the Guardians have returned to nowhere, their home base. Yeah, I was say because it looks like there's uh, Cosmo is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude who took over for Yondu. Craglin. Craglin's Sh- there. Yep, Sean Gunn. Groot is there. Uh, Quill is in the arms of Nebula. Yes. Well, he's looking like he's passed out. Or, or he's the, dead. Or he's dead. Then you've got, uh, what is it, Rocket, Drax, Ma- and Mantis. And it's weird because it's like this the Sun Flare, James J.J. Uh, Abrams is going on behind him. And then there's people around, but, it doesn't, but it's like slow motion, like nobody gives a shit that they're there or what's going on. Yeah, it's a very weird scene that maybe they foreshadowed Star-Lord getting killed. Yeah. Now, we don't exactly know what is going on here. Mm-hmm. So I want to stress this. I'm not going to say, like, oh, they killed him off in the, sh- in the movie, whatever. But it is very interesting to see that he is now getting drugged back, and it's almost like a you know a fallen leader is now yeah. getting taken through the, the city of yeah. you know where he where he's famous from like it's kind of like a weird thing like that where they're just paying homage like well, you've the, seen this in other movies like right no yeah well and and you, the thing we got to keep in mind with a lot of this stuff we see in this trailer is marvel is known to pull the wool over our eyes yeah let's not forget the entire ad campaign for avengers infinity war showed pretty much all of the Avengers running through Wakanda, including a normal Hulk. Yeah. When we get to the actual movie, it's, you know, half of them, and it's Banner and the Hulkbuster. Yeah. You know, so this could be a red herring misdirection, or it could be a dream sequence. I, I lean more that it's a dream sequence at this stage because it would just be odd. Yeah, it is. You know, just to have this scene put in. But they make a point to emphasize about it, so... Obviously, they want to get fans talking. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, look, prime example, that's what we're doing. But it's very interesting with how the shot is set up of paying homage to the fallen hero. Mm -hmm. Like I say, it's it's, it's just kind of a little creepy. And it's something we'll keep an eye on as we start hearing more about this film. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's noteworthy that Peter Quill allegedly is killed off by how it's looking. Yeah, or he's seriously wounded. Yeah, which... I will say I have an idea what might happen when we get a little further in this trailer based off this. There is a theory I have. So as we go from this scene, we do get a quick shot of another flashback where Rocket and Star-Lord are kind of talking to each other like it's time to go. Like kind of giving that, you know, proverbial hero pep talk. Pep talk like Rocket even says, Pete, I'm done running. Yeah. So you do see that as kind of happening and, and obviously... We start getting another shot of them in space, and then we get the back shot of the High Evolutionary, mm-hmm. and who is, you know, obviously Chudwicky Hawuji mm-hmm. or Wuji. I'm sorry, I apologize for messing the name up. Is sitting there and he's watching somebody run like a hamster wheel. Yeah, it, it, like literally. Well, except on like a hamster wheel with a hamster staying in place. This person's moving in circles. Yes, and this is something that, like I, I stress, this fits the character of the High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. And in the easiest comparison, I'm repeating again, he's basically a cosmic 
Mr. Sinister. Mm. He's somebody that has this very weird obsession Mm -hmm. with human evolution Mm -hmm. and genetics and, like, more or less doesn't care about what he creates if it's not perfect. Like, like it's... I'm trying to think about, like, eccentric, a villain that he he is. But he's just somebody that, like, is so evolved in his own mind Mm -hmm. that, like, when he starts messing around with humans and and whatever he's done with, like, aliens, too, and nothing is off limits to him. Like, he just tries testing the boundaries. And in the comics, it comes off very awkward at times, in my opinion. He is a very fascinating character, though, too. But if you're saying, like, is he, like, a Doctor (coughs) Doom level? No, but he's more, like I say, he leans towards the sinister side of things. And there's been some connections, I believe, in the comics, too. Probably. But, like I say, this is where it's going to play right into James Gunn's hands. And, like I say, he's a perfect villain because he's quirky, he's weird, but he's dangerous at the same time. So that's kind of the take I got from this that we saw the little experimentation for. Mm -hmm. So definitely one to keep an eye on moving forward. Then it looks like there's a quick shot. That the Guardians have been captured. Yeah, they're in uh, orange jumpsuits. So yeah. They're in jail someplace. Yeah, and Drax looks like he's been stabbed or shot in the chest. I'm I'm going shot with some sort of laser weapon just because it's not just the puncture wound, but also you look around the puncture wound, it's got like this gray charred look to it. Yeah. So he got shot with something. There's something definitely going on there. So is he getting killed off too? Well, and we also got to note that at this point... Um, Gamora is with them, and she's also in an orange jumpsuit. Yes. Whereas earlier, she was just on her own, and every other shot we've seen of the Guardians up to this point was minus Gamora. Yes. So it's a very interesting scene to play out, too, because I think they're just teasing a lot of people are getting killed off. Mm-hmm. We do get an, another shot of the Among Us uh, Guardians falling to the alien place. Yeah. So they're definitely going in about that. We do see the shot of Peter Quill jumping out of a building or spaceship of some sort. Mm-hmm. With a figure that's all cloaked in white. Yeah. Not exactly sure who that is at this moment. No. So this could be another character they're introducing. They're just kind of hiding a little bit. So too early to speculate. I'm not saying yeah. it's, it's going to be a meaningful character. It could yeah. just be somebody just kind of say. It could just be like a henchman or something. Yeah. Because I know that obviously there's a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. of who it could be. I just don't want to speculate too much and throw people, like give a false hope. It also looks like that he's dealing with uh, their ship crashing because right after we see that, he, he lands on the ground, looks back up, and then there's a shot of him and Groot running with what looks like to be their spaceship crashing into some sort of river or body of water or something and them trying to escape it. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're going to crash the ship. Yes. And then we get a shot of Nebula celebrating in nowhere, it looks like, mm-hmm. with something going on, a quick shot of the high evolutionary, and then it looks like a bloody hook yeah. of some sort, like a yeah. scalpel, like... Either Peter Quill's getting operated on. He looks like he's getting tortured. Yeah, so it could be something like that. And it is like I say, this ties into the high evolutionary. So yeah. if you're not familiar, get ready. Well, and especially with how weird and how experimental he gets, given Peter's family heritage. Yeah. He's going to take a real interest in that guy. Oh, absolutely, because there's a whole half alien, half human that is him. Because I, I fully anticipate the first scene we see between the high evolutionary and Quill going, now, wait a minute. Who's your father again? Yeah. Oh, and who's your mother? Oh, do come in and have a, uh, a spot of tea. Yeah, Chuck Woody Iwuji is going to be awesome in this oh, role. Yeah. Like, I can't wait oh, to yeah. see Oh, well, yeah. Once, once the High Evolutionary finds out Peter's heritage, 
their family history, he's going to be like, mm, let's sit down and have a chat. Oh, yeah. He's going to completely mess with them. And like I say, it's going to be very weird. I don't want to say uncomfortable. Ignore, but it's, Ignore the man spiking your tea. Yeah, exactly. But you're going to see, obviously, a lot of weird experimentation. Oh, out. yeah. So just yeah. be forewarned. Just given enough fair warning about that. So obviously we see this going on. And then we see a shot of Rocket mm-hmm. meeting up with... Uh, a, Looks like a sea otter. Yeah, with another alien form, too, that he is apparently friendly with. Looks like a sea otter, like Pat alluded to. Yep. And then there's a shot that Pat pointed out to me that... Uh, why don't you explain this one, Pat? So it looks like they're trying to escape, and by they, uh, I mean, it looks like to be uh, Nebula, Drax, and then maybe Mantis. And something comes crashing through the wall on the right-hand side of the screen. And and hashtag ODPHPod, if I'm wrong, please correct me. It looks like whatever the hell the thing was from the beginning of the second one. Yeah. No, I agree that, with you. That multi-teethed, multi-tentacled monster they were fighting at the beginning of uh, Volume 2. Yeah, when they're doing the roll credits. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, it, it, it threw me off till you mentioned it. I was like, yeah, that does look familiar. So they're fighting more aliens in space, which is yeah. nothing new. And then we get the big shot we've been waiting for. Will Poultier is Adam Warlock, and he looks like he's punching uh, Nebula. And he's also got something in his forehead. Yes. Hmm. So I'm not saying that's the Soul Stone. I'm not saying it isn't the Soul Stone. Why, Pad? Reasons. But knowing his history, there's a 50-50 chance. Uh-huh. Just going to put it out there. So that being said, we do get the shot. And, you know, he looked great in costume, so definitely excited to see what he's going to do. We do see more of the Guardians. It looks like they're suffering as mm-hmm. they're in a battlefield of some sort. Yep. So who knows what's going to be happening here. I think, obviously, it's going to be a, a battle with the High Evolutionary's forces. Oh, yeah. It's not like he's going to be on the front lines doing anything. He's more of the behind-the-scenes guy. So yeah. just want to stress that as we go forward there. But it's an interesting shot, though, seeing the, the trees are on fire and all, all that's going on, too. Yeah. So not sure exactly what's happening there. You do see... Though a final shot that definitely had fans excited to cap this all mm-hmm. off. And that is what pad? Uh, that is Groot and Quill back to back holding guns. Oh, in Groot's case, a lot of guns. And it's Groot screaming, We are Groot, while they spin in circles, firing with their arms at like 180 degrees spread apart, uh, spinning in circles, firing their guns off, fighting off some sort of enemy. Yes. And then it goes to the end credit scene that obviously the title of the movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And then you get a nice little fun nod from Drax, who's basically saying, we're killing everybody. Yeah, he goes, and we'll kill anyone who gets in our, gets in our way. Uh, to which Peter Quill says, no, not kill anyone. Kill a few people. Kill no people. Kill one guy. One stupid guy who no one loves. And Quill just goes, now you're just making it sad. Yeah. And the movie's due out May 5th, mm-hmm. 2023. So with that recap, like I said, there's a lot of win. I will say with Adam Warlock's history of regeneration, mm. I'm not going to doubt that they tie that in with Peter Quill if he's killed off. Could be. Because Adam Warlock is known that if he gets mortally wounded or something in that variation, he does form a cocoon, yeah. which we did see at the end of Guardians 2, so we knew he was coming. I would say they might try implementing some of that to save Peter Quill because I don't think that they are going to kill him off, especially if we didn't see Gamora there. Mm-hmm. Just pointing that out. So... Definitely could be a, a false scene here, but Pat, I mean, final thoughts on the trailer. It's a fun trailer. I've got a lot of anticipation for this movie, and it's going to be a long wait uh, until it comes out. And boy, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm amped. I am definitely amped up. I, like I say, I can't really figure out what storyline they're doing from the Abnett and Landing run. I just can only re- recommend go check that run out. It's great. Well, I'm, I'm guessing, given the fact that like the success Gunn had with the, the Suicide Squad, where he was basically given an open slate to do whatever the hell he wanted, something tells me Marvel gave him something similar. It's just like a couple 
small bullet points like we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I, you know, outside I, that, go crazy. I could believe that too because if you if you really want to put it in context, how many cosmic characters have we seen in the cinematic universe? A few. Okay. I mean, outside Guardians, like from what we've seen already introduced. Oh, I don't know. Like we've seen Thanos. We've yeah. se- we've seen his family there, so the, to speak. The, the uh, what is it? The um, Eternals. Yep, we've seen the Eternals. Eternals, Celestials. Yep, but yeah. like I said, only a small taste. Yeah, they really have not delved into the cosmic world here, which I know some people have criticized them for. Right. Well, the thing about the Marvel cosmic cosmic universe, I want to stress that it's a very hit or miss. Fan base, sure. so to speak. Because like when it really hits, everybody comes out in full force. Like That's why you say fans are dying to see Silver Surfer. Like The, the, the anticipation there is just mind-blowing of how many people want to go see it. And they also want to see Adam Warlock. So now fans are finally seeing him. And now we're going into this whole Galactus idea that we're going to see him on the big screen in, in full Galactus form. That'd be wild. Yeah. And not a giant smoke monster. Exactly. Leave that shit and lost. Yep, we're just letting that one go. There's also now hype for Cosmic Ghost Rider, who's one of the oh. big one of the bigger characters in the Marvel Comics universe. Holy shit. Which I don't doubt we see at some point. I mean, can you imagine just that little, like a bonus credit scene where it's like pick a person, you know, Grandmaster or or something, and they're just talking, and you just hear the engine revving. I would mark you. You have no idea how much I'd lose my mind about this, because especially he's due back in a big way in the comics, if I'm not mistaken. But you do have other elements, too, that are going to be factoring in. Like, I think they're going to really start diving into maybe the Shi'ar universe when the okay. X-Men come in. Obviously, the Skrulls are a big deal because of Secret Invasion. The Kree is going to be involved because of the Marvels. So they are putting more of an emphasis back in on the cosmic universe. It's just in the fandom, in my opinion, I think it just kind of goes in waves. Like, it's not consistent enough mm-hmm. that you don't see a lot of the books out there in the market. But when they are out and the fans do shell out for them, it's a good thing, and I think the more they can delve into the different properties, that's going to be a huge win. Like, just wait till Nova comes out. Oh, boy. And I think it's going to be Richard Ryder and how they're going to explain him in the comics. And that's why I say, like, I'm not sure what story they're going to do, but I think they can definitely tie it in. And if this is going to be a platform to launch Nova, I think that's a big win. This could be a monster win, but it also depends on what they want to do. I The only downside of this trailer, in my opinion, we didn't see Beta Ray Bill. That's true. And I'm hoping Gunn just puts him in a cameo. Just get him on screen. If you don't know who Beta Ray Bill is, I, listen, he's just, just Just Google it. Fantastic character. Long overdue to get on the big screen. And even if it's a Marvel short, I'm okay with this. Like, give him a 45-minute episode. I'm good. I need this. That's the only thing I didn't like about this trailer because I think everything else, they were hitting on all points. I love the new characters that were introduced that you just got little teases, but you got enough to know about them. That if you weren't familiar... You have an idea. Maybe Adam Warlock is throwing people off, but the fans have really came out and are were just losing their minds when they saw him on screen finally. And, you know, that's what they should be. Excited about this movie because there's a lot of win to be had. But that's our take about this. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 <coughs> trailers out. What's your thoughts? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the username at Caption Life. You'll get a new episode from us every week, so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're breaking down another trailer mm-hmm. that definitely got Pat excited. Fuck yeah. And a lot of the fan base of a certain franchise, because this is a new era, shall we say, yeah. in, in the Transformers cinematic universe. Yeah. So why don't you break it down for us a little bit? So the, we're talking about the upcoming film, which is releasing sometime in 2023. Uh, I don't think a firm date has been given yet. Uh, but this is the film uh, titled Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Uh, it's coming out in June 2023. Uh, and this is the next film in this Transformers cinematic universe uh, taking place after the film uh, Bumblebee, which I have not seen, although I hear it's good. It is good. Uh, I, will, I will give it that. Like I am not the biggest fan of the Michael Bay franchise. Sure. But I, I did enjoy Bumblebee, though. Sure. Uh, but so this is the next film in the franchise, and it's titled Rise of the Beasts, which everyone kind of thought, huh, Rise of the Beasts. There was a certain Transformers television show in the 90s that had beasts in the name. I wonder if it's going to reference that in any way, shape, or form. And then come to find out, I forget when they announced it, it's before this trailer came out, but they did say, yes, the Maximals uh, and the folks from the Beast Wars uh, Transformers television series, which aired in the 90s, is going to be uh, in this movie upcoming, which I went, son of a bitch, they're going to make me actually go see a Transformers movie in theaters. Yeah. Which, nothing against the Transformers franchise. You know, I watched it a little bit as a kid. I remember it re-airing on, like, TNT or USA or something on Saturday morning. So I watched a couple episodes when I was when I was very young. You're so young, I don't really remember it now. But, you know, the Michael Bay movies come out, and they didn't really scratch that itch for me. I was like, okay, that's cool. So, but I've seen every, almost every movie, but not in theaters. I've seen it on sh- various streaming sites. You know, so I've paid almost no money to see these, this franchise, and I've seen yet, yet I've seen almost every movie. But with the introduction of Beast Wars, which was a series I was very much into, it hit, it hit for me at the right time. Uh, so it aired on television. It debuted in... Uh, 1996, and it ended on uh, March 7th, 1999. So this was, and it, I remember it airing right before I went to school for a lot of years. So this was that like weekly morning television show that like mm-hmm. I was there for, you know. So it hit at the right time. Super into it. I mean, highly recommend it now. I mean, the animation is a little bad because it's you know that mid to late 90s 3D animation type of thing, which. Doesn't look good now, but for its time was for its time it was what it was for its time was revolutionary. But the storytelling, my God, the storytelling in, in Beast Wars is top notch, and I would hold against any uh, animated show then, now, or in the future. Uh, but no, this this is super excited for this. Yeah, I got to admit, I have kind of tuned out of the Transformers cinematic universe. I always loved the '80s cartoon, sure, like I always did. Beast Wars was something I was not into i understood it but i was like sure for me it just wasn't the same because i'm like okay this is just a rehash to sell toys that's my opinion like so when i saw uh, yeah, that yeah that is that is transformers yeah so i'm just like all right like really okay 
But I didn't mind the couple of episodes I saw, but I wasn't as big of a fan as you are. Sure. But like well, I said. Well, that's the crazy thing with Beast Wars. So the story with Beast Wars is it's set 300 years after the events of the original Transformers uh, show. Yeah, so it's set in the future. So it's set in the future, and it features uh, these two factions called the Maximals and the Predacons, who are the descendants of the Autobots and the Decepticons. And you have uh, the two, and it's and it kind of mirrors the original franchise where you have the Maximals, the Autobots, who are fighting the Predacons, you know, the, the Decepticons, and it's with an Optimus Primal, not Optimus Prime, but Optimus Primal uh, taking on a Megatron who drags them into the past, you know, which they think they're going there for Energon and the fight of war, but they come to find out that they're on Earth and that they have to save the future. Yeah, because they, they went to the past after they, they, like they went through time. A lot of time jumping. They well, no, there's one time jump. They went into the past, and they and the, throughout the course of the series, they realize they're on Earth and they have to save the future. Yeah, you know that they're that's why they're there. It's a fantastic series. A lot of fan favorite characters got introduced in this series. Highly recommend it. Yeah, like I said, it, it threw me off just because, like I said, it was set like years after the past, but then they had to go back to the past. Yeah, and that's how it kind of wound up going all there. Yeah. Like I said, it was just kind of confusing. And plus. I was just never a big fan of that animation style. Sure. So for me, like I say, I'm not hating on it, but I was like, this just didn't connect with me. I was already familiar with it because it was done by the folks over at Mainframe Entertainment. Uh, They were a company up in Vancouver, British Columbia, Uh, and they had done a show a couple of years earlier that I was into as well called Reboot. Uh, which was the same kind of animation style and whatnot that was on Toonami. Vaguely remember that, but yeah. It yeah. was on Toonami. I was really into that. So I saw this come out, and I was like, oh, this looks a lot like Reboot, and I love that series. Oh, let me watch this. Mm-hmm. So when this came out, it's kind of like, okay, it's very interesting. And then obviously when the Michael Bay films came out, I thought the first one was okay. Second one, I yeah. fell asleep in. I just, I tuned out. Like, it I mean, just, listen, they're not cinematic gold, but, you know. No, I, I get you There's some are blockbusters. You go there, turn your brain off, and you enjoy the, yeah. I was there more for the action sequences and just see what city was going to get destroyed in the end, end battle. Yeah, I just, I, like, for me, it just went too long. Like, that was the, 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 the one movie went to Chicago, and I'm like, ooh, something different. It's not New York or Los Angeles. Yeah. So, I, obviously, it's kind of rolled on, like, the Fast and Furious. But there still is a big fan base for it, and obviously they just did the reboot with Bumblebee, and John yep. Cena was in that as well, yeah, yeah. too. And it, honestly, it was not that bad of a film. Like I say, it was just it was something different, and I didn't mind a soft reboot for it, and it connected on that 80s-style level. Mm-hmm. So now we're back to the Beast Wars homage done by Stephen Capel. Yeah. So obviously, no Michael Bay is involved in this. Uh, well, he's listed as a producer, but, well, that don't mean much these days. Right, that doesn't mean a lot. So obviously, this is kind of an interesting thing to check out. So... Let's give that spoiler-free statement about Transformers Rise of the Beast, and then let's start talking some spoilers. So, Pat, what do you think? This trailer looked awesome. I mean, it didn't give a lot. kind of teased that something's going on and that there's a big battle that's going to unite the Maximals and the, and the Autobots, and that there obviously there's going to be a big battle. But to see the Beast War, you know, to see the Beast Wars, one, get its just due, you know, because it was on at a time where there wasn't a whole lot of Transformers stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some video games, but they weren't, you know, that big that big of a hit. There were no movies. You know, there was no... It was pretty much reruns of the 80s TV show. That was kind of it. Yeah. So, you know, Beast Wars kind of kept the ship going for the franchise for a while. And then kind of just fell off. Like, it, it aired, and then it, it finished. And I know there was a Japanese... A series or comic or manga or something. There was some kind of there different was, interpretation. There, yeah. It was like a continuation. You know, they had the continuation series Beast Machines, which is a whole other ball of wax and is not as good as Beast Wars. Watch that at your own risk. Um, you know, but so they had the continuation series, and then there was the Japanese stuff. 
And then it kind of just fell off the radar. So, but then you had the the 25th anniversary, you know, either this year, last year, or no, it was last year. And they're kind of redoing the comic. You know, you had the Netflix series. But, and so to see the Beast Wars get their big screen debut, mm-hmm. I'm super excited for it. I grew up on the show. I love the show. I've still rewatched the show every couple of years. You know, I own season one of the show on uh, DVD because it got, I know it got re released on VHS and it got a 10 year anniversary release. <clears throat> on uh dvd which i mean if you go to amazon you in uh, you can find a season one dvd for twelve dollars and ninety cents uh you can probably find it cheaper or something else on ebay uh good luck with season two because they did not do a season two dvd set and then a season three dvd set they did a seasons two and three in one kind of box thing uh currently on amazon that one's running you 89 dollars and 98 cents a little expensive given the popularity with the movie and then you have the because for the longest time it was under 20 dollars uh on amazon but then the netflix show came out and it jumped to 90 dollars yeah which was insane uh if you do want to watch beast wars uh if you go to the the streaming service tubi Mm -hmm. uh, t-u-b-i uh you don't need an account to watch uh, anything on there you pretty much the only thing you need to account for is if you want to have like a watch list and keep track of some stuff but you can go to tubi and find all of the episodes on tubi there's ads you know because it runs kind of like a television thing but you can watch all this show there uh but getting back to the trailer to see the beast wars finally get their due on the big screen i'm super excited for it, it looks good it looks kind of like an updated modern look you know, not necessarily that 90s janky look, which, listen, I'm, I, I got a special place in my heart for that 90s look, but I realize it's the 90s. Technology has upgraded slightly in the 25 years since they made that show. Uh, you know, so it looks good. And, and one of the drawbacks I know with the show was because of how expensive it was to make things in 3D back then. One of the issues I know they had was you could never have any more than, I want to say it was maybe seven or eight characters on screen. Just because of how expensive it was back then to yeah, run, that's, to, it was to run crazy stuff. to do it was stuff like crazy that. Crazy expensive. So like the rare instances where you got both sides, like the all the bad guys, all the good guys on screen together, was a big fucking deal. Yeah, you know. So to see them get on screen and not have any of those financial limitations, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I thought for what it was, it looked interesting. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was not sitting there going, "Take my money now," mm-hmm. but it was very entertained by what i saw yeah because i don't really know what's going on here i know they're combining universes so right anytime that there's a different interpretation right i i tend to go check it out just mm-hmm. because i like stuff that's different i don't like stuff that looks all the same so for this film it looks interesting i probably will go see it which is something very unheard of for transformers these right days. but i'm more happy i saw one of my favorite characters from the 80s cartoon mm-hmm and I'm just kind of excited to see, you know, where we're going to go from here and play it out from there. So definitely one worth checking out. So that said, in three, two, one, Pat, break it down. No, this trailer was this trailer was really good. I mean, I, listen, I'm like I said, I'm not the biggest Transformers fan. Huge fan of Beast Wars, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I the, the theme song for that fucking shit, Beast Wars slaps. You cannot tell me. Other, <laughs> you cannot tell me otherwise. Listen, I'm not saying it's the best of all time, but. God damn it, it's pretty goddamn good. Uh, but no, to see the Beast Wars characters finally get on screen, a little bummed it's not, you know, we can have Peter Cullen in, in, on all these movies, but we can't get the original voice actor for Optimus Primal in this. Listen, it, I realize it's Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's a great actor, but I would like to see some of the original voice cast for Beast Wars make an appearance in this in some capacity. Hey, they're still around. It can still happen. You know, but this trailer looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, like I say, 
it really showed me a lot of stuff that they're going with. And like I say, I like seeing some of the older Transformers come back because that's why sure. I remember. I was super excited to see Mirage. Oh, yeah. So that cool made sequences me, with him. Yeah, exactly. That definitely caught my eye. And seeing where they're going to play out from here, like, it looked entertaining. And that's kind of the big thing that we have going with this trailer. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, kicking it off, we've got kind of they telegraphed a little bit. They did show uh, the ending of the trailer first, and that's yeah. Mirage jumping out with the human actor, Anthony Ramos, who's going to be mm-hmm. playing Noah in the film. And then it kind of jumps into going back in time and showing us, you know, for millions of years. And then it cuts to New York City. Yeah, the one world has had Transformers. Or, or our world has transformed. Or, our world has transformed. And then it goes back to the jungle, but something else has awakened. Dun, dun, dun. And then you see this giant robot eight jumping out, and it lands in front of our main character's bump, pounding its chest, yelling, and landing in front before Optimus Prime jumps in, pulls out his gun, and the monkey just looks at him and goes, uh, you got bigger issues, my guy. Yeah, so we find the first look of Optimus Primal, who's voiced by Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. and Optimus Prime, who's voiced by Peter Cullen. Mm-hmm. So it's a very cool standoff tying everybody together. Yeah. So, and then you kind of hear that he's getting, Optimus Prime is getting warmed about in a, a darkness that's coming. Their dark, darkness is coming, and Prime is kind of thrown, but he's like, wait, what the fuck, and why is there this giant robot ape talking to me? I thought I knew everything. Yeah, so it's it's kind of an interesting thing to see how it gets sent here but mm-hmm. you know it's, we don't need that much of a plot it's transformers this is true so we just kind of go start dancing around there we go back to presumably new york city yeah that's what it kind of looks like to me it's but one of, the, one of the one of the bridges leading into or out of the city and a certain not all the lights but like this small stretch of lights on the bridge is uh flickering yes so not exactly sure what's going on but we do see optimus prime in his his autobot form driving yep and then we get our first shot of Mirage. Well, or no, this is Bumblebee, Bumble, actually. We get, a, we get a shot of Bumblebee transforming, and then we see Mirage. Yes, then we see Mirage, where we see Noah jump into the car. Not exactly sure what's going on. And in typical Transformers fashion, if you decide to steal their car, they're going to take you for a ride. Well, and I think this is the typical sh- This is the typical sequence we get a lot, uh, in a lot of these movies, where like they're, it's the first movie with a new cast of human characters, I'll say, mm-hmm. where they, they come upon, in some fashion, multiple fashions, one of these cars quote-unquote that are transformers where like they get in the car it's a really nice car and they're just kind of feeling around the steering wheel or on the or in the uh, middle compartment of the car they're feeling around various parts of the car because it does show uh him rubbing the steering wheel where very clearly on the front of the steering wheel is a, a autobot logo yeah so you definitely know it's going to be one of those scenes in the film where if you decide to play a stupid game, you get a stupid prize. Yeah, and it looks like it's a Porsche, uh, and the Porsche does shift into gear and does take off, and uh, his foot's not on the gear shift or the brake pedal or clutch. Yes, so we do get a little bit of a high-speed chase mm-hmm. going down, and you see Noah screaming. He's like, I'm not driving, I'm not driving. And the, and the cop who's driving a New York City police car, not an NYPD police car, mm-hmm. notice that one, uh, says pull over, and that's when he says, I'm not driving. Yes, so we do see a little transformation going on with Mirage too. It's a really cool sequence too because what are they like? He's driving the car's driving backwards down the bridge, and then it's an interior shot of the car as the car's transforming to drive forwards down the bridge with a remix of Notorious B.I.G. going uh-huh. on too. We have to. It point was out. all a dream. Yes, so we do see that happening, and it, it definitely plays into the high speed theatrics of the Transformers. Then we see Mirage make clones of himself. Mm-hmm. As they're driving away. Yep. 
and obviously leading the police onto you know uh, dire straits. So well, yeah, because the cops after him, the one one of the mirages or clones disappears, uh, and then the cop goes headfirst into those water barrels. Yes, and we have to note that the mirage is voiced by the one and only Pete Davidson. Ooh, okay. So that should be quite interesting. Quite the experience going interesting. on. So from there, we get a little more shot of Bumblebee racing against Cheetor. Yeah, so this is where we get our first look at uh, one of the Maximals, and that is Cheetor, who is a giant fucking cheetah. Yes. And then we get another shot of A-Razor. Yep, who is a uh, giant bird. Yes. And more of Mirage trying to drive away, and then we get more or less a big action shot going on Mm -hmm. of some fan favorite Transformers, Mm -hmm. RC and Wheeljack. Yeah. So, and they are definitely uh, not in the best situation as they're riding on the side of the mountain. Yeah. Because apparently the Decepticon that's uh, firing at them mm-hmm. is Battle Trap. Ooh, okay. So they're kind of tying it into, uh, obviously, the Autobots versus Transformers again, too. And, yep. you know, however they wanted to find the names yep. of all the different factions going on, too. Yep. So yep. not exactly sure where they're going there. They're, being, they're being vague. Which is good. Because I believe the Terracons got mentioned in this. The uh, Oh, yeah. There were a couple of videos and articles we looked up mentioned Terracons, but they never said it in the in the trailer. Yeah. So we'll just kind of run with it for this argument. But if we're wrong, obviously, hashtag ODPHpod. And please correct us. We don't mind. Then we get another shot of Optimus Primal addressing uh, the situation going on. Another big fight scene is happening. Mm-hmm. There's typical Transformers going on, too. And we do see a bunch of the Autobots. Uh Looking over a city of some sort. Yeah, well, and the one thing Primal is telling Prime is that basically, like, your past and your present are coming together, and it's going to be an issue. Yeah, so tying everything together is going to be kind of an interesting play. Then we get to see another uh, Maximal, and this is Rhinox. Yes. Who is a giant rhino. Yes, definitely came off big on screen. I like seeing this. I mean, this is yeah. a good CGI right here. Yeah. So get a little shot of that. And then we get another quick shot of a little flying attack going on in the mm-hmm. city. So not sure what's going on here. I'm a little more Optimus Prime, which is never a bad thing. No, and you get you get the voiceover with like Primal's really trying to emphasize like, hey, some shit's coming. Like we need to do something, and Primal just says, "Let them come." Yes. So obviously playing right into the '80s style writing. Mm-hmm. A big battle is going on. So we're seeing. Everybody is now getting involved. Optimus Primal, Optimus Prime. Yeah, when we see, yeah, we also see Cheetor uh, transform. So it's nice to see the like, hey, we know the Transformers are going to be in this, but you've seen them transform. Let's show you the Maximals transforming. Yeah, so this is a very cool scene going on too. Big battle, like we just can't emphasize enough. Like this oh, yeah. kind of has that Avengers Endgame kind of vibe too. Yeah, a little bit. You do see a little more of the Decepticon faction coming on there. And we do know in the movie, Scourge is going to be the big bad, mm-hmm. voiced by Peter Dinklage. Yeah. And John DiMaggio is voiced in Stratosphere. How you hey, feel about that, Pat? Listen, John DiMaggio is an awesome voice actor. Uh, odds are, if you don't know the name, you know some of the things he's uh, voiced. Uh, and I know he did Adventure Time, uh, to name one thing. Also did Bender in Futurama. Mm-hmm. So bite his shiny metal ass. Yeah. So very cool seeing the kind of cap everything off going on here. Yeah. And then, obviously, you kind of get a little more... <laughs> <laughs> a little comedy at the end of the trailer. Yes. Because little girl sitting there, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real. And then one of the Transformers looks at her and just waves and goes, okay, it's real. Yeah, so perfect way to end everything going on here. And then, like I said, they do the reshot of what they had at the beginning of the trailer with uh, Noah jumping out of Mirage. Mm-hmm. So... Which is like the trend all the trailers are going with like the last five, ten years, where it's like, we got to show this cool, awesome action sequence before we show you the title sequence. Yeah. 
reasons. Reasons. But, you know, it works because it sells you on this is going to be just a fun film. Oh, yeah. And obviously, if you're a Transformers fan, this is Endgame. This yeah. Is, this is what you want. Yeah. You're seeing a lot of the universes getting blended, a lot of the different interpretations all coming back to yeah. one. So it's it's an exciting thing if you're a Transformers fan. So, yeah. I mean, Pad, final thoughts on this trailer? Super excited for this. I know we didn't see all of the uh, Maximals that are from the main series because um, noticeably absent was Rat Trap, mm-hmm. who is kind of the weapons expert. He's the you know the thief of the group, you know. So he was noticeably missing. Um, there's some other ones that they introduced later that they might introduced for this i don't know it might be a little much uh also also noticeably absent is uh megatron from the uh predacons mm-hmm. uh, who is optimus primal's foil and beast wars uh you know you can't do a you can't do a movie with uh the uh maximals and optimus primal without megatron right you know, his megatron you know, so I, I hope I hope Rat Trap's in it because Rat Trap's one of my favorite characters from Beast Wars. Uh, absolutely awesome character. And then uh, I hope we get to see some more of the Predacons or, or that faction, whatever they're going to call them. Yeah, with this. I'm excited to see what they got going on here. Like, I gotta admit, this piques my attention just for the simple fact this, this is going to be a popcorn fun movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going in expecting anything more than just a lot of stuff blowing up. And where this goes away from the like the Michael Bay stuff, like this just plays into the fandom mm-hmm. and just kind of getting that updated and obviously tying back into the 80s cartoon and the comics and, you know, yeah. bringing everything back tenfold. Yeah. That's where I'm going to go in with this, because this just ties in so much that just if you're a fan of Transformers or you ever were like this can be worth checking out. All I'm going to say is if we get Dinobot, not like from the movies they did, but Dinobot from the Beast Wars movie, which he was like very samurai like mm-hmm. and he's speaking haikus. Ooh, chef's kiss. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. Super excited about this. So you definitely want to keep an eye out for that when that comes out in June of 2023. But until then, hit us up on that hashtag hashtag OD page pod. What is your thoughts about the new Transformers film? Are you excited about it? Or are you not? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics, and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, The first of which is we finally, finally got a trailer for the upcoming season of The Bad Batch. Uh, This will be season two. It has been a while since we have seen our favorite group of uh, clones that have survived the Clone Wars and are now stretching into post-Revenge of the Sith. Uh, season 1 aired on uh, Disney Plus way back. I think it started on May the 4th, uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. So we're well over a year and a half into that. Going to be honest, I'm probably going to need to rewatch myself because it's been a while since I've seen it. Trailer looked good. You know, continuing some of the stuff of uh, they're on the run trying to make their way in the universe. 
despite being wanted by the Empire, and then the Empire further controlling its grip, or lack thereof. Yeah. Uh, you know, some interesting stuff. Well, it looks like Commander Cody is going to be making a return. Obviously, not really sure what happened to prior to this series, I should say. Not really sure what happened to him post-Revenge of the Sith. Never really explained. You know, you see him in Revenge of the Sith, and then that was kind of it. Uh, you know, so interesting to see what's going to happen with him. Although he might've shown up in rebels. I can't remember. It's been a while. Uh, hashtag ODPH pod. Correct me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this series dropping January 4th going to be very interesting, especially since the second time I watched the trailer, I noted, uh, looks like they're going to be going to count Dooku's homeworld. Uh, that being Sereno, which, uh, if you've seen the clone wars, there's this very interesting shot towards the end of the trailer where it looks like they're in that throne room. Cause there's that, if, again, if you've seen clone wars, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. If you haven't, you're completely clueless. So I, you go watch Clone Wars. Have I recommended enough? I'm going to again. Go watch Clone Wars. <laughs> uh, there's uh, some episodes in Clone Wars where you see Dooku on his home planet of Sereno, and there's a giant green window behind him in the yeah. bunch of the shots. It looks like the same window, so it looks like they may be going to Dooku's home world. Why? I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out uh, once the season starts on January 4th. No, it looked good. Yeah. I mean, very interesting direction I think they're going in, but still, it looked very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking with some Star Wars news, this time video game news, uh, with the Game Awards coming up uh, this week uh, on tomorrow, actually, I think, as we record. Yeah, it's jumping. Uh, you have the uh, release date might have leaked. I'm not going to give it here because I'm waiting for an official release date. Uh, but you did get some art revealed, and then also uh, there will be a gameplay trailer for uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor uh, coming on during the Game Awards, uh, which are coming this week. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. This is obviously the continuation of Cal Kestis uh, and his droid BD-1. Uh, if you have not played uh, the first one, which is Jedi Fallen Order, it's a fucking fantastic game. It is arguably the best single-player Star Wars game they have done since The Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Because Star Wars single-player games are few and far between these days. Why? I don't know, but they are. Uh, But no, this is a sequel to that. Super excited for this. I got the first one on a discount during one of the PlayStation sales during 2020, which obviously we all had a lot of time during that year. Fantastic game. It's not super long. You can play through it and maybe I want to say seven, eight plus hours. If you go through quick, you know, try to do everything. It's a relatively quick game, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so super excited for this. It's going to be coming out on PlayStation five, Xbox series X slash S and the PC. Yeah, definitely interesting stuff. I mean, the game awards are always kind of crazy, but I know yeah. that the minute this got announced for it, like yeah. everybody's been buzzing. Like if you're into video games, yeah, this has been the water cooler talk, so to speak. Yeah. So definitely a lot of, a lot of trailers during the video game awards, which mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll, I will break down probably all of them next week yeah and definitely keep an eye on pads twitter at meslin uh he is going to be talking about it during the show so trust me if you want that content early he's going to give it to you then and then if not next week we're definitely gonna be deep diving about this uh and then we got uh switching over to hbo max stuff we got a trailer for the upcoming series the last of us which is based on the video game of the same name This looks incredible. Of course, it stars uh, Pedro Pascal in one of the main character roles, uh, and it's coming to coming to us from the folks that worked on Chernobyl, of all things, which is wild. Uh, but this is coming out on January 15th. This show looks incredible. Yeah, this looks absolutely phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. I can't get into words how much this looks like the video game, and just yeah. the, the adaptation. Like, a lot of times when you see stuff come from the console to the small screen or mm-hmm. big screen, it doesn't resonate. And it's hit or miss. It's very hit or miss. 
this looks like so much yeah. win. And I mean, yeah. obviously, attaching Pedro Pascal, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood right now, uh-huh. to this is a huge win. And man, this looks like it's delivering on all fronts. January 15th cannot come soon enough. Facts. Good Lord. Uh, and then in the surprise of all surprise, I would say, uh, I know this dropped down at uh, the Brazilian Comic Con that took place over the weekend. We got a trailer for Indiana Jones. Yeah, the, the new one there. And, and not only did we get a trailer, we got a name for the movie. Uh, so the name of the film is going to be Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got a trailer for the movie, which i got to say, trailer looks good. And one of the things that got me excited is I know they that was revealed down at the panel they did for, they did like a Marvel Disney panel down at the Comic-Con. And they were talking about this movie. And I know one of the things the director has said at that panel and interviews is for the filming of this movie, given 2022, it'd be really easy to just do CGI everything. You know, mm-hmm. Put green screen. No, 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 no. He has gone in favor of practical effects rather than CGI effects. Obviously, when they have to do a special a CGI effect, they'll do a CGI effect when, right. they, when they can't pull it off practically. But he said if they can do it practically, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's super exciting to see. Uh, Harrison Ford is returning uh, in the title role of Indiana Jones for the final time. He has said this. There's also the possibility this could be John Williams' last movie he scores. Listen, the man's getting up there. He's like over 90 years old. I fully understand. Yeah. But if he goes out on Indiana Jones, hell of a movie to go out, go out on. It's going to be awesome to hear the, the uh, Raiders march at least one more time in theaters. The trailer looks good. You know, not a lot given with the trailer. Yeah. Kind of being a little ambiguous, which... Given how the last one was received, I understand. Uh, so I'm excited for this. I honestly forgot about this movie to be legit until sure. I, until the trailer came up and I was like, "Oh wow, we're back!" Mm-hmm. No, it looked like old style Hollywood. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, it just looked like that throwback. Mm-hmm. And not mad about it at all. I'm not the biggest indie fan after Temple of Doom. Sure. So it is what it is. I like the first three. Four's, yeah, yeah. First two for me are like there, and then everything else after that is kind of like. Three's good. Yeah, three's right. good. Three's, three's a fun like afternoon watch. Yeah. like You know, if, if it's on it, like I like watching it in the afternoon on like a Saturday or Sunday or something, if nothing else is on. First two, any time of day. Yeah, no, first on. first two are great. Third one, it was kind of, it's, it's hit or miss with me. I got to be in a mood for it. Like, sure. That's, but that's me. Sure. Fourth one, hated it. Fourth is that that's gonna be the interesting given what happens in the fourth, which spoiler alert, Shia LaBeouf is plays Indiana Jones's son, uh, which noticeably absent in this movie any Shia LaBeouf. So yeah, I don't. That's know. gonna be because there was the whole rumor that he was gonna take over the role once Harrison Ford was done playing it. Clearly, that's not the case because that was well over ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, so that's gonna be interesting to see how they address that in any way, shape, or form. Because the one thing we do know from this movie is it's taking place in the '60s, I believe. I read, mm-hmm. and a group of, and it's not you know the Nazi Party is not around, but it's a group of folks from the Nazi Party that are kicking around someplace. So there are Nazis involved, but hey, it's Indiana Jones. You expect that at this point. Yeah, exactly. So he's gonna be kicking their ass and uh-huh. you know doing indie things and yeah. yeah, like I said, it just it felt like a good throwback. So. Yeah. Probably going to check this out. Yeah. We'll kind of see when it gets there. But, you know, for coming back after the abysmal fourth one there. Yeah. I, I feel better about this read one. The, read the script they passed over instead of uh, in, instead of uh, for the one they used for uh, the last one. Should have gone with the other other uh, script. Absolutely facts. Yeah. Uh, and then sticking with some Disney news, we got a release date uh, for The Mandalorian Season 3. Let's go. Uh, supposedly there was like a scissor ruler or trailer or something shown there. We did not see it. It was not put out to the public. Uh, but we did find out that uh, Season 3 is going to be releasing on Disney Plus on March 1st, 2023. 
I don't doubt that we see that trailer on Christmas. Could be. Or around there. I'm just going to call it there. That could be because there is some NFL games that day. There is some. Oh, NBA. NBA games that day. Yep. And all the NBA games are on uh, ABC slash ESPN, which is owned by Disney. Yep. So I don't doubt we see it then. Uh, But listen, sooner we get the Mandalorian back, the better. I mean, it's the Mandalorian. What what else are you going to say about that? Yeah. And then uh, lastly, and certainly not leastly, we have some video game news. And this is some Destiny 2 and Assassin's Creed Valhalla news. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, this is this is interesting because I can't think of a time something like this has ever been done. Obviously, you've got Fortnite with, like, every property under the sun as a skin over on Fortnite. Uh, but, no, this is something unique because this is two video game companies and, and studios coming together for some... Co- admittedly, it's nothing huge. It's some cosmetic stuff. Uh, but reading uh, from an article on the Xbox website, this is on their news section, uh, it says, quote, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Destiny 2 crossover cosmetics available now. Uh, So the article reads, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Destiny 2 are coming together in an all-new crossover. Ubisoft and Bungie partnered to bring Destiny-themed items to Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Assassin's Creed-themed cosmetics to Destiny 2. The crossover coincides with Assassin's Creed Valhalla's final content update and Destiny 2's newest seasonal launch, so get ready to serve iconic Titan looks to Ravensthorpe and beyond or equip your Guardian with legendary armor from Earth's past. Players in Assassin's Creed Valhalla can visit the in-game store to take advantage of the Destiny-themed character and weapon packs. The character pack consists of two armor sets inspired by the Crucible handler Lord Shax and the Time Traveler Exo Saint-14, respectively, as well as two swords inspired by the Gallarhorn exotic rocket launcher and Thorn exotic hand cannon. The weapon pack consists of four unique combat tools, each in an inspired spin on Destiny's subclasses with their own gameplay perks and custom effects. The Dawnblade Greatsword channels an incinerating solar light, the Arc Strider Spear crackles with arc energy, and the Sentinel Shield is bolstered by the power of Void, and the Deadly Edge Scythe harnesses the cold strength of Stasis. <clears throat> Destiny 2 players can head to the Eververse store for their crossover items, which include an Assassin's Creed-themed ship, Sparrow, Ghost, and Finisher. There uh, are there are also three armor ornament sets available. The Wolf-Kissed Bundle for Titans, inspired by Eivor. Uh, the Mythisos Bundle for Hunters, inspired by Cassandra. Uh, she's the assassin from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And the Eagle Bundle for Warlocks, inspired by Altair. Uh, he was the assassin from the original one, Assassin's Creed 1. Okay. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Destiny 2 are available for Xbox Series X slash X and Xbox One. Don't miss your chance to hand, get your hands on these exciting crossover items. Uh, also available on PC, PlayStation, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, so this is very interesting just because I can't think of another time you've had two entirely different video games from two entirely different companies come together for some sort of crossover. And I, and I gotta admit, saw a couple of videos uh, from both games of what these looks look like. Look really good. Yeah, I gotta admit, I can't remember top of my head like any time that this has happened where everybody's kind of came together in this fashion. Mm-hmm. Like it just you, you don't hear a lot about it, but I think it's a cool nod to the fans. Yeah. And I think it's something definitely worth checking out and, yeah. and kind of seeing. Like, I agree. I think the designs look dope. Oh, yeah, they look awesome. Looked, looked very, very dope. Cool. Especially the Gallarhorn sword. Oh, boy. Yes. So, for my one-shots, I uh, got to do a couple quick uh, TV roundups okay. before we jump into the comic book reviews there. And I know Pat has a recommendation, too, this week, too. So, I'm super excited to hear about the newest entry into the Disney comic universe. Oh, yeah. So, I know he's, he'll be talking about that. But... 
Uh, this week on the CW, Stargirl is having its series finale, so definitely want to check that out. The show has been a, a very pleasant surprise, and it's all kind of stemming from, it's crazy to think, the DC Universe streaming service mm. way back when in 2019. But it was one of the original four shows to kind of kick off because obviously we had Titans, which has just wrapped up its mid-break for season four on HBO Max. Swamp Thing, which did not pan out, I think, as well as everybody thought, even though it looked good to me from the mm-hmm. episodes I caught. So I was kind of surprised. But they had a lot of more drama going on with that, if memory serves me right. Well, well that was the one that was canceled like mid-production. Yeah, it's like there was some kind of drama. So I never thought it got its fair shake. I'd love to see it come back, obviously, with James Gunn leading DC films and now coming out and saying he's going to be tying a lot more stuff to the TV shows as well. So it's going to be more in the in the vein of Marvel or Star Wars per se as mm-hmm. I've been hearing has kind of been the mold that everything's looking at, which is a win. I'm not making any any slight about it. I think the more cohesiveness you have between television and film, the better. Yeah. But Stargirl was one that kind of Got lost in the shuffle a little bit. It started on the, uh, it was doing dual duty on the CW and streaming service. Then it went to CW exclusively. Right. And it's been a fun show. And I think that if you want a different interpretation of the JSA, this is one to go check out. And I think they did a, a great job. I can't wait to check out the finale. Going to be, uh, you know, maybe I'll be talking about it next week. I don't know. Maybe I'll be saving it for Patreon. Hmm. Mm. Stay tuned. Dot, dot, dot. But along those lines, there was also a big franchise show, and I think the best one of the bunch that came from the DC Universe, that is making its triumphant return for Season 4 this week on HBO Max. So December 8th is going to be the return of Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. So this has been, by far and away, the best show that has came out from the DC Universe, and the future, we don't really know a lot about, obviously, James Gunn and taking over. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to be the, going on after this season? I do know that Doom Patrol has a big profile coming out with DC Comics. Obviously, they're unveiling a new Doom Patrol series entitled The Unstoppable Doom Patrol. Dennis Culver and Chris Burnham are doing them. Right. So, like, that's slated for March. They're kicking off now, obviously, part one of season four. So, two episodes are coming out on December 8th. It'd be one every week after. And I will say for a spoiler-free review, because I posted this on Parlay Points, I want to make sure everybody goes out and checks this out. If you have not seen Doom Patrol, they are a very, very unique bunch of individuals that come together as a team. Obviously, throughout the interpretation that they have been in with DC Comics from 1963 to now, the group has kind of been one of those fringe characters that they can go into the DC universe and then they kind of stay in their own lane. Like, does that make sense to you, Pat? Yeah. So they have had some great comics, uh, but they are not afraid to get into the weird aspect of the DC universe. This show has really captured that vein. And if you haven't been following, it's some of the best television on TV, not just superhero stuff, but the cast has absolutely killed it since day one. April Balbi has been playing Elasta Woman. Matt Bomber has been Negative Man. Diane Guerrero has been Crazy Jane. And I tell you what, the fact that she has not won multiple awards for this role is a travesty. This is on that Anthony Starr Homelander level mm. because of what she does with the character. 
Be, and her character especially, she has multiple personalities. Right. And each have their own powers. And she does such an amazing job balancing all of them out. And especially with her character's background, too. It has been just... You can't miss television right there. Right. Along with, Matt, like I say, Matt Bomber's character, too, has been fantastic. April Bobby's. And obviously, Brendan Fraser as Robot Man has stolen every scene he's been in. He is fantastic in this role, too. And even with the other characters involved with this, and especially the one that I didn't think was going to pan out as well as it has, and that's Cyborg, okay. played by Jovian Wade, who has been... I mean, obviously, you know Cyborg from the Teen Titans. You know him from Justice League. To see him thrown into this universe, he's really adapted the character to make it work. Right. And it comes off so flawlessly. Like, I want to see Cyborg with the Doom Patrol in the comics Mm -hmm. just to see how this plays out because they do such a great job with him on the show. And this season, too, they're adding another member to the team, and we saw her last season, and that's Madame Rouge, who was Michelle Gomez. Oh, okay. So we know her from Doctor Who, who yep. absolutely kills it. Yeah. And seeing how this dynamic works, I will keep this spoiler-free because I don't want to ruin this for everybody. But the show's a big hit. There's a lot of wind to be had here. It captures that weird Grant Morrison element, the Gerard Way, and really runs with it. Right. And really g- gives you a lot of crazy moments that would not work in a normal superhero universe sure but it works here and this the characters are done so well that you connect with them from the audience on that emotional level like you really feel for what brendan frazier's robot man's going through and diane guerrero is set up for another big season and i swear she's got to get some awards out of this because she has got a a storyline that i think is always one that you just can't it's it's captivating and you you see just the emotional depth she goes through for this role. Mm-hmm. It's just it's fantastic. The banter between uh Bobby and Gomez is gonna be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just you see the struggle going on between those two this season. It's gonna be great. And the one character that I think is finally gonna get a, a really big storyline, like I got a feeling about this, is Cyborg. Okay. So there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on here, and I think that they just they have such a big win going on with this show that if you want something to watch, it's a quick watch, and it goes by very fast, and it's not afraid to go in some directions. Like, they go over the top in a lot of things. Okay. But it's one that really connects and really, you know, will entertain you. And just for the acting level, too, like you think it's a superhero show, it's not going to get too deep. They really dive into how damaged their their characters are and really bring that to the forefront. And it's just another element that you just see with a lot of them that this is not your typical justice league where everything's, you know, absolutely perfect. Right. You know, they really run with their characters and their backgrounds. And obviously it's been a wild story of how they got from point A to point B here. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, I give it a high recommendation. I don't like putting grades on stuff, but this is damn near as close to a perfect season as it can be just based off what you've seen thus far with the Mm -hmm. show. So, like I say, they got six episodes they're going to be going with until January 5th, I believe, the Variety article said. Okay. And then they're coming back in the latter half, or in some point in 2023. No, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So, 
They'll be going, like I say, they're kind of doing the same thing Titans is doing. I'll say they're doing like the CW route where it's like a little bit of season break and then they come back. Yeah. Except, or or, the, or the walk, what the walking dead was doing. Right. So it, it's not really like set in stone when exactly. Yeah. Like I don't have a return date for them. I, like I said, the variety article, I just went to just fact check about it and they're saying that they're going to wrap up January 5th and then there'll be another six episodes to come out for the rest of the season. Okay. But I'll tell you what, from what I saw, it's a big, it's a big win all over the place can't recommend it enough and if you haven't seen the past episodes like start in even the one titans episode they did in uh season one really set the ground running for how this team is it's quirky it's different and like i say if you're looking for something that's got a lot of emotional depth along mm-hmm. with super heroics this is your show all right so that being said it's time to talk some comics and what's out at the shops this week but I'm letting Pad take the ground first because he has a big recommendation he wants to talk about. Hell yes. If you pick up one comic at the shop this week, I say it's this one. Uh, this one coming from the folks over at Disney. And this is Gargoyles issue number one uh, and also from the folks at Dynamite Comics. Uh, so this is 32 pages out this week. Uh, and this is uh, reading the description on Dynamite.com. It says, quote, all new stories from series creator Greg Weissman. The stars of the sensational animated TV series return with new adventures. Uh, all new ongoing series in continuity with the epic Gargoyles television classic. 1,000 years ago, superstition and the sword ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a, it was a world of fear. It was the age of Gargoyles. Stone by day, warriors by night, they were betrayed by the humans they had sworn to protect. Frozen in stone by a magic spell for a 1,000 years. Now, here in Manhattan, the spell is broken and they live again. They are defenders of the night. They are Gargoyles. Series creator Greg Weissman and illustrator Greg Cambatus uh, reintroduced the Manhattan Clan, a family of gargoyles at full strength, uh, though modern New York City is full of attractions and distractions. Each member of the clan has begun to go their own way, but their bonds will be tested when nefarious factions from all across the world attempt to steal that rarest, most precious of possessions, an unhatched gargoyle egg. Hmm. So this is going to be real interesting. Gargoyles is one of the best television shows that Disney had done in the 90s, animated from uh, Greg Weisman, who has done work on a whole slew of fantastic uh, animated shows. Spectacular Spider-Man, to name one. Young Justice, to name another. Uh, but if you have not seen it, highly recommend it. Uh, there were three seasons done. They're all on Disney+. Plus. Seasons one and two, phenomenal. Season three, yeah, not so much. It's a bit of a departure. Yeah, uh, there was there was some behind the scenes uh, writers changes, and you can very clearly tell that. Uh, so hopefully they retcon season three because season three not good. Uh, this though looks fantastic. I got to go pick out and pick up myself a copy because, god damn it, this looks awesome, and I love myself some gargoyles. Had a whole bunch of toys when I was a kid. You know, love this show. Rewatched it when uh, Disney Plus dropped, and it was their day one. Still just as good uh, in the in the voice cast. Holy shit, the voice cast is next level. Uh Keith David is is the voice of uh is the voice main voice of the main gargoyle. I'm blanking on the name. I apologize, but Keith David is the main voice of like how do you go wrong with Keith David? Yeah, you, you can't. You can't really. Like they say, this whole show really set a set a new landmark for Disney animation. It was also very dark for a kid show. Yeah, like that's the one thing people don't realize, like if how dark it is. Goliath was the Yes, what was the guy's name? Yeah, it also had Ed Asner. God rest his soul. Was uh, was in the voice. Uh, Bill Fabergaki, who uh, uh, butchered the shit out of that name, so I apologize. But you don't know the name, but you know who he's voiced. Some dude named Patrick Starr from SpongeBob. Yeah, also in the show. Jonathan Frakes was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. 
He was Xanatos in the show. What the shit? You had uh, Maria uh, Satiris, another uh, alum from Star Trek, The Next Generation, in the show as well. This show was insane. Jonathan Reese davies was in this show for a couple, for a handful of episodes. Like, what? The, Clancy Brown was in this show. What? Jim Cummings. Yeah. You know, the, the veteran Disney voice. You know, everything from Winnie to Pooh and everything in between. You know, this show just had a slew of great voice actors that'll hit you over the head the more you watch it. Yeah, no, it's very low-key underrated for the voice talent they had on the show. Mm-hmm. Very low-key. Uh, IMDb, it's got an 8.1 rating, and that's with 17,000 ratings. Yes. So it's definitely worth a watch, and it's definitely worth picking up at the comic shops this week. I know a lot of people have been buzzing around this book, so, you know, maybe stay tuned. We might have The variants more. are awesome. Yeah, the variants are very, very cool about this. So we'll definitely have to do a review of that for next week, maybe. You know, Pat, yeah. maybe Pat will grace us with that. We'll have to kind of see about that. Also at the comic shops this week, digitally... I tell you what, Comixology Originals has been putting in the work, and obviously the line at Best Jacket Press has been crushing it, as always. Canary number 4, Scott Snyder, Dan Penozen. Oh, my God, this book is just getting more wild and crazy, a horror western unlike anything you've ever read. This issue, though, shocking moment after shocking moment in a last page that's going to freak the hell out of you. It is definitely worth checking out. Also by the Best Jacket Press line, it is now out in print form today, and that is the last chapter of Night of the Ghoul, Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavilla. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You want to talk modern horror classic? I know it's getting, it's getting picked up for a major deal. Nice. So, obviously, we had to congratulate Scott when we talked to him about that. And this is one of those situations that I'm telling you right now, if you are looking for a, a horror masterpiece, this book is the one to go get. So, if you don't get it on Comixology... Go out and buy it in print form. Hell, buy it both. Like, get both copies. It's that damn good. I give it a highest possible recommendation to. And Canary, oh my God, like, how good is this book? People are not ready for how amazing of a read this is. I'm just telling you right now. So, also coming out this week, there's a big number one that was really hyped up, and that's by our friends over at Boom Studios. Okay. Know Your Station number one, Sarah Gailey and Leanna Kangas are doing this futuristic murder mystery. And this book is definitely one that's got a ton of buzz. Uh, in fact, it sold out at the distribution level first before the book even came out. Wow. A lot of people hyped up about this. The book does deliver on that. Really interesting story going on. So if you like a little futuristic crime story going, this is going to be right up your alley. I definitely highly recommend it. Definitely has my attention moving forward. My pick of the week, I have to give credit where credit is here. I have heard about this book for so long, and it took me a little while to go out and get into it, but I tell you what, I am so sad to see it end. I need a prequel ASAP from Daniel Warren Johnson, and that is Do a Powerbomb, number seven from Image Comics. Pad, this book is incredible. I'm showing you some art right now. Oh, nice. Which ties in the world of professional wrestling. Ooh. With a wild story about life and the and the afterlife, hmm. like it is absolutely brilliant. And if you are a pro wrestling fan, you need to check this book out. If you're just into fantastic writing and art, this book is a must-have. I know the trade paperback is due out in March, so if you want to wait, you can do that. But I'm going to tell you, don't wait that long. Go out and go <laughs> get these issues. They're definitely worth the while. And my God, the ending to this story is going to hit you in all the emotional feels. I guarantee you. 
I have talked to many of our fellow comic creating friends or content creating friends and everybody has said the same thing. Like when you get to that final page, you're just going to be like, man, like what a book, what a story. Like it just hits on so many different levels. I can't recommend the series enough. So you definitely get down to your local comic shop and make sure you go pick that up. Also from image comics, Megan Camarina, Melissa Flores, Emma Kubert brings the latest edition to the massive verse to the public. Radiant Pink number one. So if you've been reading Radiant Black and you should in all the massive verse, you know who Radiant Pink is. This is going to be a great setup for a solo story for her and gives a little insight to her character as well. Phenomenally done. I really enjoyed this issue. So definitely a couple cool books from Image Comics to go check out. And also my other pick for the week, Behold Behemoth number two, Tate Brumbal, Nick Robles. And this book is just absolutely getting more crazy. Uh, it's definitely continuing the wild debut issue that happened. And uh, the direction it's going in, like, listen, this is going to catch some people off guard. It's a really fan- fantastic tale, tying a lot of supernatural and horror together. So you definitely want to check that over from our friends over at the Boom Studios camp. They got a lot of cool stuff going on. And I tell you what, it's a big Batman week for DC Comics. Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo. That's a Mark Silvestri mm. spinoff story that's going on. Batman 130, Chip Zdarsky, enough said. And over at Marvel, Dark Web number one. So this is the big crossover going on with the X-Men and Spider-Man. We heard about a New York Comic Con, so you definitely want to make sure you keep in tune for that. And as always, make sure you go support your local comic shops wherever you are at in the world. And if you got a pull list, make sure you pay it up for the holidays. Mm-hmm. I'm putting everybody on notice for that. Mm-hmm. But before we go, Pad's got some breaking news. Yeah, so this is coming to us courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter, and this is listed as an exclusive. And the headline reads, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 3, not moving forward as DC movies hit turning Whoa. point. Whoa. So the article reads, uh, quote, do you call it DC Rebirth or DC Genesis? Maybe call it Identity Crisis or Flashpoint. These titles of past DC Comics event series aptly describe the state of Warner Brothers DC movies, which are on the cusp of a new era, but not before a potentially messy transition period. A cleaning of the slate is common when a new executive team is put in place to run a studio or division, but there is likely little precedent for the amount of Clorox James Gunn and Peter Safran could spray as they prepare to launch DC Studios and guide superhero movies for the next half decade and beyond. The duo in recent days flew back to Los Angeles from the snowy city of Aspen, Colorado, where they were huddled in deep planning and now uh, like holy figures coming down from the mountaintop have sets of commandments or a DC Bible in hand, or at least a working blueprint. Gunn and Safran are expected to meet next week with David Zlaslav, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO who is radically reshaping the media company and who hired the duo in October to lead a newly launched film and TV division. The pair will likely will unveil to Zaslav a plan that is expected to lay out their vision. Although much of their plan, which insiders paint as, as, as still a work in progress and one that has yet to be approved, is being kept deep in the Batcave. Details of several possible uh, paths forward are trickling out. At least one path not being taken has also been revealed. Multiple sources tell how the Hollywood Reporter that Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 is not moving forward and is considered dead in its current incarnation. Sources say that Jenkins recently submitted her treatment, co-written with Jeff Johns, and that Gunn and Safran, as well as Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs and co-CEOs, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi broke the news to the filmmaker telling her the project, as it stood, 
did not fit in with the new but still unfolding plans. Jenkins directed and co-wrote the previous two movies starring Gal Gadot and released in 2017 and 2020. No decision has been made about the next steps. And while costs are not a factor, insiders say that DC Studios will not have an overabundance financial restrictions. The studio could end up saving tens of millions of dollars by not making the third installment. Godot, according to sources, was on track for a $20 million payday for Wonder Woman 3, while Jenkins could have received $12 million. Those figures don't include any possible back-end bonuses. Warner Brothers had no comment, close quote. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did not see that coming. Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Like, they're, they're talking massive overhaul. That's a... Well, you can officially close the curtain on the Snyderverse. Yeah, no, that's a wrap now. Mm-hmm. Son tells me you won't see it, and, and Son tells me Aquaman 2 will be the last you see of that character. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if Momoa doesn't come back after that one. No, you know what? I, I think what's going to happen with Momoa... Is he's going to take over Lobo? Yeah, maybe. No, that like that. I think is probably the safest lock that we can talk about as far as DC films. He's a huge like obs- like obsessive Lobo fan. Mm-hmm. And when he caught wind, I forget what outlet was showing this. So I apologize. This was making the rounds on the social media. He was in an interview, and somebody brought up Lobo and James Gunn, and he was like, "What?" And mm-hmm. you saw his eyes got huge, yeah. and he was. Like saying he's like I have every issue of Lobo. Like if we're talking this, I'm going to be talking to James Gunn about this. So I, if this is going to be the end of the Snyderverse officially, I mean, well, we know Henry Cavill's coming back, mm-hmm. but this is huge though for Wonder Woman. I mean, we know that obviously, uh, eighty four there did not perform well. No, and which given the circumstances of when it came out and everything surrounding that, understand a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which I I get you, like it had a poor box office and all that but you got to asterisk it just because it came out in the middle of 2020 right but still at the same time i mean this is a huge move and if i mean this is this is wild to think because of how popular that character is with gail godot as the star so if you're you're if you're changing gears well the thing of it is everyone loved the first one i think universally everyone said the second one to varying degrees said it sucked well yeah i mean obviously we 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 broke that down on the episode way back when but it's interesting because she's, you know, so synonymous with that character, and especially being one of the big Trinity characters of DC Comics. Wow, did blown away by that news. Absolutely blown away. Definitely stay tuned to the ODPH social media for more info on that because we'll be talking about that next week mm-hmm. as soon as more details come out. But that's late breaking news to close out the show with. Wow. Just simply wow. Absolutely stunned by that news. Oh, and apparently Henry Cavill's filmed a cameo scene for The Flash. I believe that. I mean, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, The Flash is going to be a messy movie that, you know, I'm not, I wasn't planning on going to see, and I might, I don't know. We'll have to hey, see. You're, you're not believing it's true until we see a trailer. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm, I'm not believing anything until I'm actually in the seat. They could show me a million trailers. The same thing with Black Adam. Uh, same thing. Until I was in, in the theater actually watching it, I didn't think it was real. And then here we are. Wow, a lot to process this week. So definitely make sure we're keeping that conversation going on the social media accounts and you can find that in anything and everything that is the ODPH on odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. Wow, what a mic drop to end the show on. Padawan J doing that work, folks. That's what I do. For the one one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Go buy some comics. We'll see you next time.
This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the ocean 